Welcome to the Enemy Podcast. This week finds us still quarantined, but now moored in our little tugboat in the beautiful Hudson Bay. Still frozen over. Lots of polar bears and frozen Jeffrey Epstein's floating by. Um, This week we have uh, a first for the Enemy Podcast, which tells you how backward we are, which is a Skype conversation between uh, a number of us. First time we've done it. Imagine we would have figured that that out by now, but anyway. Um, so it's myself, Alex, uh, Will, also known as the Economist, um, Oshin, uh, also known as the guy who turns up late, and Fox Delta, who you may or may not know if you've listened to this podcast before. And we're talking about uh, Bernie Sanders, his campaigns in 2016, and of course the one that's just finished. Um, what did his campaign achieve? Did it achieve anything good and bad for the left in America and maybe left elsewhere too? Um, what about his endorsements of Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden? How does that going to how does that play out in his legacy? Again, good or bad? And um, why is it that they didn't succeed? Was he lacking in um, fortitude? Was the American public just not particularly? interested in socialist or left-wing solutions to the many problems that exist. We'll talk about all of that um, together for the first time, so hopefully you enjoy that. And the uh, following week we should get back to uh, searching for Mr. Epstein. Um, we can't be letting a quarantine stop our crusade. Okay, hopefully you enjoy it. And so what we're going to do, um, broadly speaking, is we're going to first things first go around to each of the four people who are here, myself, uh, Vox Delta, Ashin, uh, and Will. And we'll start at random with Ashin. What did you th- what do you think of, um, let's just start something simple. What did you think of his, of his last campaign and what he achieved? Um, okay, so uh, what I, I actually wrote a bit on this, uh, I said, um, it shows that the left is currently at sea and the historic champions of the working class and minorities, so that's the Democratic Party in the US and the Labour Party in the UK, are too inculcated in the neoliberal system to advocate for their respective uh, constituents. Um, Bernie and Corbyn, who, though being radical for the times we live in and their conservative political systems, have failed. They were too conciliatory to the Blairites in the case of Corbyn's Labour Party and Reaganites in the Democratic Party and their failure to grab hold of the keys to power while a long shot only shows the insurmountable winning as a nominally left-wing candidate in the political systems. It further compounds my view that the middle class are openly hostile to anything but the status quo and lower classes are too apathetic and docile. That's some strong words right there. (laughs) Um, uh, Do you have any opinions on... um, Actually, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, will we go on? Do you have anything else to say about him? Um, yeah. Well, I I I thought um, what what can be learned from it is um, don't trust the big traditional parties. Um, their cadres are too enamoured with the status quo, and you'll find yourself squabbling with them as well as fighting your political balance. Um, and then what 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 we can actually do to to affect real changes sort of extra parliamentary activities such as providing education for the public and um, especially working class but how their lives would be improved by a truly left-wing government 
the way James Connolly, the radical industrial workers of the World uh, Labour Union, did uh, themselves. So you should engage with constituents, educate and talk to them about their problems. Cool. And then finally, um, that they were pale male and stale false prophets. So the problem with Sanders and Corbyn, in my opinion, is much as they energised and inspired the youth, um, they were white men of advanced years. And yes, Sanders is a Jew, so technically not white, but he presided over the whitest state in America. So um, I think I think we need to look for sort of um, for different different idols, I suppose. Cool. Um, so at random, let's go to. Will, why not? Will, okay. same questions, basically. Uh, so the first one was um, something like, what do we think of the Sanders campaign? Is that I, I, it? I'll just basically repeat. Is there anything, you know, what did you think of the last campaign? Uh, did it achieve anything that you think was good? Um, is there anything to be learned from it? Um, basically an opening statement by you. What what, what do, you, do you think of him and the campaign? What it did? Uh. So like yeah, I don't I don't know if I've got many strong thoughts about Bernie Sanders. Um, obviously, he was labelled a radical pretty early on by the American establishment and by the Democratic establishment. Um, I didn't really see why they deemed him to be as radical as they did because they made him out to be some sort of like, you know, ultra left communist, um, like wearing a kind of back black balaclava in front of a red flag, and all he seemed to be really offering people was what like a half decent minimum wage and even then it wasn't that decent and um free medicare and that's like that's like so basic for the state to provide right it's like not even like the kind of guarantee of anything just like the suggestion that maybe there should be a minimum wage um the one thing i do think it might have achieved is that because so many people were branded radical they actually maybe looked up what 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 it was to be radical so maybe by destabilizing what the center or like what the center left in America, whatever that means, um, was maybe that kind of provoked people into looking up what left-wing politics actually might achieve. Um, to suppose to like echo what was said before, um, I don't think like progressive politics is going to be served by, um, you know, a couple of old, a couple of old white guys um, who like literally look on the cusp of death sometimes, like without meaning to be rude. Um, they they do look like they're about to cough it, um, and it's kind of like a damning indictment of our society that this is the best that we can put forward um, as like the vehicles for change. Mm. Mm. Um, do you have any other points before we move on? Uh, I don't think I've got really many other points. I think um, Corbyn was probably a better, more viable option than Sanders was and that he was actually proposing um, some, like, useful measures that that could, like, you know, help the working class. But I'm not sure um, how successful that would have been, especially given the state of the Labour Party now. And uh, it turns out, like, you know, that the Labour Party itself was working against Corbyn. Probably, to be fair to Corbyn, probably in virtue of him being slightly more left than the rest of them, and again, when we look back 30, 40 years, Corbyn would not have been deemed left wing. He would have just been no. deemed like your standard UK politician. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still sad he lost the election, but I don't think he was a comrade. Mm. Uh, so Vox Delta, would you like to give your own opinion? Same questions, basically. Yeah, just uh, 
Just a first thought for both uh, Corbyn and Sanders. Uh, I think they're both members of very conservative parties. Mm. So given that, I'm not sure how they would be able to change anything in their parties uh, for good. I, I don't like to compare Corbyn to Sanders because I think that Corbyn is a fighter, while I don't think the same for Sanders. But anyway, that's just my thought, my opinion. Mm. Now, talking about the States and uh, Sanders himself, I, I understand that he's a very charismatic person and he's a very charismatic politician. I, I have to accept that. But on the other hand, I believe that his great success is that he can still be presented as an activist uh, while he has been a state official for four decades. I, I don't know how he has achieved that. Uh, mm. To my opinion, uh, he just works for his brand. He just works for himself, not for the party, and certainly not for the working class, as he he has led you know people to believe. Uh, now, uh, what was the second question again? Just to be very very precise, to my answer. Um, so basically, what did you think of him? You kind of made your, that opinion clear. But what did you think of the campaign? Did it achieve anything that was good? Uh, uh, did it achieve anything that was bad? Uh, where does you know wh where did what's your kind of overall opinion of what? My, I believe that the, the positives of his campaign is that he achieved to mobilize people. Now we have the terms like socialism or grassroots movements or uh, you know young people getting organized, terms that are being discussed in the States. But the negative side is that Barack Obama did something similar. So I can't see how this is positive at the end, in the long run. Uh, the negative aspect of his campaign is that I don't think electoral campaigns have nothing to do with organizing. It's just uh, like a marketing sales pitch. We mm. go convincing, knocking doors, talk to people for three minutes, we go out, off you go, that's fine. If we convince you, that's okay. I don't think that this is politics. That's only you know, a means of helping an electoral campaign. I'm not very familiar with um, the US politics in general and how the electoral system works, but that's certainly not organizing. And that's something completely different to what we do here in Europe, in most countries at least. Uh, I personally believe that Sanders would be much more helpful outside of that campaign for the working class movements. But I think that himself is not the right person to lead a democratic party in a presidential campaign and as a president at the end of, uh, of the state because okay let's deal with that we're talking about the president of the united states probably the most corrupt seat all over the world so how can he help or could he help the working class i i, I don't know i just don't see it mm. um do you have any other uh, things to say before we move no, no. on no no that's that's it Cool. I think I would just like um, to say, like, I would like to, um, I think the kind of point that was made about Corbyn being a fighter where Sanders isn't a fighter, I think is really fair. Um, like, Corbyn does have that, like, um, I suppose, history of, like, get, getting himself into various trouble um, with, you know, like, the police. There was all those, like, pictures yeah. of him that were circulated yeah. about him being taken away from, I think, apartheid demonstrations. Corbyn has been on the right side of history most times. He campaigned against apartheid. Um, he was at Grenfell when that fell. Um, mm -hmm. A bit of repetition there. Um, he's been a really strong advocate for women's rights. But I think um, the other point that was made that they're both members of right-wing parties is true. Like, they, they just mm -hmm. are. Corbyn might be on the left of that right-wing party, but he's still in a right-wing party. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about elections as being the time when we decide what colour of tie our manager wears, then really what 
it's it's hard to see what he could have done if he had been put in the position of power that he would have been in. True. Um, my own opinion of Sanders um, and his campaigns and his uh, is not not particularly different to what has been said already. I just have to take a historic kind of view of what he did and didn't do. So has there ever been a campaign that, given the way the American political system works and given the actual spectrum of the American political system, has been for 50 years basically neoliberal at best if not authoritarian and kind of grim event evangelical christian <laughs> um that that's kind of what it's been for 50 years or close to it and that he came in and said stuff which yes was just repeating what uh liberals in the 1930s and 40s new dealers in america said um so in that regard he wasn't radical unless you just completely ignore events of 60 or 70 years ago which again some media most media <laughs> are going to say that but it's not, it not in that regard it's not particularly radical but even for him to bring those things up and to bring them back into the conversation i kind of take the the chomsky view of it which is that and he's even said this remarkably recently uh, about biden you know, if your choice is, you know, effectively to shoot yourself in the leg or to shoot yourself in the head, um, and you have no other choice, uh, realistically speaking, um, it's not that you only, you know, take that, you know, just shoot yourself in the leg and then cry about it for four years. You take the bullet and then try and come up with some type of way to, to change things. Um, now, again, I, that's a terrible uh, indictment as well said of the system and, and of, of our limited options. But it is where we are, um, and I'm the thing. I think that the only really positive thing that comes out of him in the end is is a group of people, uh, organizing activists, who will now see the electoral system for what it is, which is realistically speaking, from my or at least from my perspective, that the media kind of crowns, you know, uh, the president and crowns the prime minister, and if you don't get in their right side, they will so badly tarnish you. That it's not realistic for for you to really have a chance, uh, not in that sphere. Um, and in which case, Sanders and Corbyn maybe should have known that earlier. But then there may maybe their greatest fault was that they were too naive or too um, optimistic, maybe, into thinking that they could actually take power legitimately and then change things through the system. So. That would be my criticisms of him. Um, obviously, he's not a uh, Sanders. Isn't a, as I said earlier, a comrade. He's you know barely a New Dealer. Uh, but given how bad the political system is in America right now, it, you kind of have to look for some some chinks of light in in, in the darkness. I think, and that's kind of why I, I was at the very least optimistic that he could um, his effects would be somewhat positive. That's my view. Um, Okay, so what we might do then is we'll just open it up to uh, general points for people. Um, so what? Do we, here's a good place to start. What do we think of uh, Sanders supporting Biden? Biden is now the inevitable candidate for them. He, it should be said he also supported Hillary Clinton, so it's not. It shouldn't really be surprising that he supported Biden if he supported Hillary Clinton, because both are warmongers. One just happens to be a demented rapist warmonger. <laughs> um, so anyway, that you've obviously know my opinion. 
So does everyone does anyone want to go first about this? Um, like sure, like I can go first, I suppose. Um, what on earth is he doing? Like, I mean, really, like, what is he doing? Like, the uh, I just don't, I just don't get it. I, I don't know why I went first. That's literally all I've got to say is what on earth is he, is he doing? Just these people, they're just so bizarre. Um, the option, like, the reason Hillary Clinton lost is because she was a member of the establishment, and um, a lot of Americans are disaffected with like people in the establishment. So they've gone and re reselected someone to stand up against Donald Trump. Um, who's exactly the same, occup occupies the same space as uh, Hillary Clinton does. And what is this person? He's a racist. Like, and he, he may well be a rapist as well. Um, I, I just don't understand why he would have chosen to have endorsed such a, such a person. I understand people can change their views over time. Like, you know, if you've said racist things in the past, then maybe you'll say something like, you know, I've said this awful thing. Um, I apologise for it. I've revised my view. I shouldn't have said it, and I won't say it again. But I don't even think Biden's done that, has he? He's, he's just stayed silent on the whole thing. And obviously, the the, the uh, various claims of sexual assault, um, he's just outright denying. So, so yeah, I don't know why you would kind of put your weight behind um, Biden when this is this might be the kind of person he is. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. I don't know why he wouldn't just stay silent. Anyone else want to go? Well, I, I think I think it really the only thing that sort of comes out of of Corbyn and Sanders' losses is the need for a real left wing party, because the Democratic Party, you know, whatever about the the founding founding principles of uh, being slave owners, but um, back back in after Jim Crow and everything, they they were pushing for people's civil rights and everything, but they're not they aren't they aren't left wing. In the same way, I mean, of course, the uh, the the optics are completely different in America because they they've never had they've never had any socialist experiments that went on. They've always been um, di diametrically opposed to sort of communist teachings and Marxism, um, more so more so rhetorically than anything. But um, I, I I just I, I I sort of scratch my head a lot when when I'm looking at American politics and say. Is this what we would have been like if, if it wasn't for the French Enlightenment? Like you know, um, so yeah, it's 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 one of those things. I mean, I think we do need a real left wing transformative politics um, in all of those countries and in our own country as well. Because uh, let's let's not forget, uh, Alan Kelly is now the leader of the Labour Party here, and he is as neoliberal as they come. So um, yeah, I, I just I really I really. I'm 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 quite despairing, but I'm also, you know, I, I know that that the despair won't last forever. So. I love your optimism. Top <laughs> Stilta, would you like to give your opinion of? Yeah, uh, I mean, you probably said it already, but your own opinion, in particular about that, uh, of of somebody who calls himself a socialist democrat, uh, supporting somebody who, at the very least, has you know. Uh, severe dementia is multiple accusations of sexual assault and who has a very bad record in race and I was a warmonger well I, I, I'm, I'm really lost with with Sanders to be fair uh, I, I don't understand what he's been doing for all these years for example he self-describes uh, okay himself as a democratic socialist something like that right nobody knows what it means I, I think he's just a 
a Sanderist. He just believes in himself. That's it. He 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 believes he's a socialist, or this is what he says to people. But he endorsed Clinton in the last campaign in 2016. Why did he not endorse Jill Stein back then? So he he just aligned back to you know what the Democratic Party said, and that's why he endorsed Clinton. I, I just don't get it. Sorry. He 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 wants to to be a revolutionary himself. He he always talks about a, a revolution, but What's the revolution he has done so far? I, I just don't get it. Now he endorses Biden. Biden who? Why do you need to endorse someone? So the, the option is either Biden or Trump. Just don't endorse this guy. Why do you owe him? What's, what's hmm. the point? I just, I just don't get it. If you want to be a revolutionary, just be one. And first of all, what kind of revolutionary you are when you are eight years old? Just <laughs> Show some space to the young people there in the party. You have so many revolutionaries there. I don't agree with them politically, but at least they have some dreams to do. They, they have the ideas to share. Just be the revolution yourself. What what type of religious is that? What's, what's the story with this party anyway? I, I just don't get it. Uh, now, any positives for him? I, I don't really have many. I don't really have many. Uh, it's only his past that is positive about Sanders. Can we learn a few things about that? Yes, but you remember what happened in, in Vermont. He was heavily criticized by anarchists back then, especially Murray Bookchin. What happened? Sanders is now, well, a few weeks ago, he was supposed to be one of the candidates for the, uh, for the nomination nominations of the uh, Democratic Party, while Bookchin, Bookchin's writings at least, influenced what happened in Rojava now. You, you can see the difference. You can see the point I'd like to make. I don't understand what Sanders wants to do. I really don't get it. He says A, but he does B. Mm. Let's see what the next day is for that party. I, I really don't see any positives there, unless you know new people come in and just do something different, something fresh. I think in fairness to him, his views on what America should be and what therefore what he wants to achieve, he's been pretty open about. He wants America to be Denmark, a uh, Norway-style economy, the common wheel, basically what the, mm -hmm. for, for Will, we might remember this, what the SNP was saying around the time of the 2014 referendum, you know, become a more Nordic country. Now, anyone who I've ever met from the from Denmark or from Norway, it's pretty clear that they're not socialists. Um, they just believe yeah. that, you know, at most social Democrats, they believe there should be a, a safety net for, you know, a, a, some type of net for human dignity and human health care. Um, and so that's kind of what he stands for. And I think it says more about America that that is viewed as radical and dangerous. Um, and so in that regard, maybe he's, we, we, we're judging him from, uh, a European-centric perspective. I mean, yeah, that's, what I that's true. Yeah, yeah, but like I suppose if Americans see themselves as uh, managers of the economy, Sanders can legitimately describe himself as a socialist if he believes in some sort of regulation. Where Trump is going to go like for a full on steroids free market option, so he'll be described as right wing in that way. Um, Sanders probably will be fairly agnostic on social issues, like same-sex marriage and race relations and things like this where trump is obviously going to appeal to like a hardline traditionalist um cis white head kind of model of what a family should look like 
um, ironically for him, given his like, even though know. he doesn't have a traditional family himself, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, yeah just, he's just awful. So, like, yeah, Trump would be like right wing in both those ways, where Sanders would be left wing in one way and agnostic in the other way. Um, and I say left wing, it's not even that left wing, right? Saying, like, you know, you should guarantee a basic level of dignity for your citizens. Um, that's hardly like the opening line of the communist manifesto is maybe you shouldn't let your citizens starve to death if possible, just mm. impossible. Um, and let's not let's not forget the repressions from police in that country as well. It's something that we don't have here in Europe, so Definitely. it's probably easy for us to talk about the states. That's why I said at the beginning that I'm not overly familiar about the situation there and uh, the politics on how and how it works. So uh, I just keep myself a bit distant to you know what I say because I really don't know how the system works there. I, I only can see that it's pretty bad from a police point of view. Repressions are terrible. So, yeah. I yeah, I mean, it, the prison system is effectively modern day slavery. So, I mean, it's 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 beyond grim. You know, it's 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 a yeah. very, very, very different society to most European societies today. And I mean, in the end, um, how um, how we look at it is obviously going to be colored by our own politics. So, for example, I was just thinking this now. If a person like Sanders ran in Ireland, he'd still be considered a radical because we don't have uh, we don't have like subsidized healthcare here. We have two tier healthcare system, private and a really shitty public system, which isn't really free, mm-hmm. even though we pay taxes for it. Certainly, a minimum wage needs to be much much higher here. I, what he's calling for, I think fifteen dollars, depending on the exchange rate, might be higher than what the mm-hmm. the minimum wages here. So again, this is Ireland is on a weird spectrum too, uh, along with our neighbour Britain. We're in a weird, uh, though even Britain is better because they have, for the moment anyway, uh, the NHS. So again, it's, it depends on where you're coming from. If you're coming from Greece, where a lot more of these things are a given, other parts of Europe where they're just a given, they're the post-war consensus that you have um, subsidised healthcare, you make sure that people are at a bare minimum taken care of. Uh, on certain levels, you know, then yeah, he's not in any way um, radical or even something, maybe a person you should pay much attention to. But if, the, if you're living in America, it, it would have been an enormous thing. In the same way that Corbyn, if Corbyn had got in, in to say 2017, that was much more likely than, than what happened after. That would have been an enormous thing uh, for people. I mean, I, I, I do kind of waver between thinking you know, do you know it would be good to have a, a, some type of social democrat in power because at the very least people would be a bit more optimistic. I mean, when Corbyn became leader in 2015, huge amount of people joined the Labour Party. And when mm. Sanders began running and gaining, gaining some type of online attention, a huge amount more people got involved. And whether we want to live, you know, you know keep talking about having grassroots, grassroots organizations, you know, they oftentimes are very hard to create. You know, people are very negative, as as Oshin said, people are very apathetic. And how do you get people to be less apathetic to just do something? If you know, if there's no, uh, I don't want to say individual, but just no cause around which to rally. You know, that's my kind of my point about uh, Sanders or Corbyn, is that they're not the answer to the problem, um, but they are very important in they terms. Of getting, the problem, I yeah, I think. Yeah. Um. So the other thing we should probably talk about, unless someone else wants to talk at the moment. Anyone else have anything to say for right now? No, I don't think I do. Okay, so the other thing we could talk about 
in general, because invariably you have to talk about this in regards uh, Sanders' legacy, is um, alternatively a Biden or a Trump presidency. So what we'll do first uh, here is uh, we'll go around and say, what do we think is going to happen? And why do we think it's going to happen in the American election and its effects over the next four years? So we might go in reverse and I'll say that I think Biden will win. I didn't think he was going to win um, until this coronavirus thing came down. I think he'll win, but I think Trump will not bow out, out of the political stage. I think he'll run again in 2024, when by then I think he might win again. That's a very depressing thought, but there you go. Um, I think in the long run, Biden winning is uh, only slightly less disastrous than Trump. Uh, and in many ways, it might stoke up his fanatical and fascistic base to do much, much worse things in the future. So that's my view. Um, so in reverse, it was Vox Delta next. OK, let's let's say that, first of all, democratic socialism or whatever it's called is the main alternative to transform capitalism. So we can't ignore it. Uh, we have to keep an eye on what's going in the Democratic Party or the left of the Democratic Party and see how it unfolds. Now, of course, we don't have this option now because Sanders is out. So it's either Biden or Trump, both shitty options. What's probably the best? I don't know. They're terrible, both of them. Probably Trump would help the working class grassroots organizations to get better organized in the in the future, probably because of uh, you know his politics, the way he handles things, not himself but his team, uh, the way he has decided to run America. Probably that that thing that Sanders has dropped out would give uh, let's say a boost to grassroots movements to just organize themselves much better because there's no other option people probably will start realizing that the electoral process is not a viable option for them. So they have to take their lives uh, back and they have to, to organize. But that's possibly a very positive opinion that I have, a very, pos a very positive thought. Uh, in, in the short term, I can see more repression, as you said, more fascist state, even though I don't like to, to use that, uh, that term very often. Uh, but I, I can't see how the next day would be bright for, for the states. Uh, would that affect the rest of the world? I'd say no, because in my eyes, America or the United States of America is just an, an empire that uh, collapses at the moment. I don't think it will affect anyone. Europe has taken a different direction themselves. China is a different story. Russia is a different story. Brazil and other great powers in India, for example, are all a different story. I don't think that anyone relies on the states at the moment, apart from the UK, which is a disaster for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't see a bright short-term future for, for the states, unfortunately. But again, uh, if people start getting organized now, we might see uh, something positive in the next 10, 15 years. Okay. Uh, Will, your opinion? Uh, so I think Trump's probably going to wipe the floor of Biden. Um, I mean, if like if Trump managed to beat Clinton when they were going at him with like accusations of sexual assault, which he which he admitted, um, and he was like, you know, he kind of made the you can grab the woman wherever you want when you're famous um, kind of comment. 
um, he made fun of a disabled person, which I thought, like, that was, I mean, it's all beyond the pale, but I thought that would be the thing that would tip him, was when he made fun of that um, journalist with cerebral palsy. Um, that didn't tip him. Um, when he was making, like, you know, overtly racist statements, that didn't tip him. What are they going to go at him with this time that they couldn't go at him with last time that they also, that he can't just point at Biden and say, sure, but that guy too. Um, you know, Clinton might might be a lot of things and she's she is awful in lots of different ways um but she was a lot more clean than biden is um from a pr perspective i'm not sure um i think optically uh, i totally agree like that um a trump re-election would be catastrophic the thing that biden lends um american capitalism is the air of respectability if you have a person like this back in power um, with, you know, wearing a suit, being um, on the face of everything, polite, using the relevant language, using the language of technocracy, um, using the language of inclusion without actually doing anything, all those types of things. I think you make the kind of policies that Trump has, you make them sound respectable because really what does Biden disagree with Trump on? Would he abolish ICE? He absolutely wouldn't. Would he regulate markets? No, of course he wouldn't. Um, what's he going to improve for the American working class? He's going to do nothing for them. Trump is able to, like, you know, appeal to um, Rust Belt voters in virtue of the way he can deploy language, and it's just not something Biden can do. Um, so yeah, like, I, I don't really, I think I'm the same. Like, I don't, I don't hold out any high hopes um, for the states. Unfortunately, I think it's kind of like a, a lost project. Um, as much as I hate to dismiss and write off. Um, an entire country and uh, their working class and their future. Sorry. Ouch. Um, uh, Oshin, your opinion? Yeah, so um, Alexis Tocqueville said Americans are so enamored of equality they would rather be equal in slavery than unequal in freedom. And I, I, I do think that you will definitely see people saying they want change but actually not not willing to put in the hard work that it takes uh, for them to be free, and um, I, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure that uh, I, I see I see the American Empire as as being in a in a decline you know ever since sort of Reaganomics and everything, but um, I think I think you will you will see a more pronounced um, a more pronounced thing on the world stage as well. I mean the 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 thing I would say about uh, Biden getting elected would be probably peace in the Middle East would be more likely. But um I, I can't I can't see I can't see that, that happening. So you know I think it's I think it's very, very, very risky. Mm. So um I think the the elephant in the room that we kind of haven't re- I kind of briefly mentioned there was the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, and how that may or may not affect things. Um, and again, it's hard to know, given the timing of when, you know, the general kind of public became aware of, of it arriving in America. It was probably more towards the early part of March. And by then, you know, most of the big early uh, uh, Democratic primaries had already happened. Uh, Biden had, uh, sorry, um, Sanders had already been much blind in the media. And obviously, as we already know, had um, lost number of states. Um, so it's hard to know whether if this had happened at a different time, whether his talk of uh, a kind of a Medicare for all would have made a difference. 
Or maybe it wouldn't have. I mean, I think Oshin and really will have a point, which is there is a, a yeah, I don't, I hate to use the phrase, but it, it does seem somewhat accurate, a kind of Weimar style problem in America where, you know, the kind of working class, uh, lower middle class really, you know, for those who vote anyway, are involved in politics. There is, you know, a hatred of government. There's a kind of conspiratorial, paranoid, you know, proto-fascistic thing there, and 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 it's and it's very very worrying, you know. And they are heavily armed, um, but it, it uh, but while while simultaneously having fairly good reasons to distrust the the federal government in terms of how violent it is towards multiple citizens and the drug war. Again, we could go on all day, but in regards to the coronavirus, um, some of the more recent uh, amazing sites coming out of. The states is the scenes of armed, heavily armed, like machine gun armed, you know, grenade armed men, always men, of course, always unattractive men, standing on the the uh, steps of their state buildings in the, in Michigan and in Minnesota, demanding the end of a lockdown because their rights were being infringed, presumably their right to die in a pandemic. <laughs> so. Because it does tie into Bernie Sanders. Is there is the problem? And again, Vox Delta, you can leave yourself out of this if you don't know enough about American culture. But is there something deeply toxic in the same way that Weimar was and Germany was, or you know, name another country, Serbia was in the 1990s um, about the population? Is there something? Is the empire? Fantasy is the greater than any other country in the world. The exceptionalism fantasy is so toxic and is it so ingrained in the way people are thinking now that it's impossible to come along with somebody even as fairly centrist and liberal as Bernie Sanders and actually shake people out of that. Um, so it's a big question. Um, feel free, whoever wants to jump in to answer that or give their opinion on it. Can I jump in first? Would that be all right? Just yeah, I've, got go a thought, I've got a thought in my head and I'll lose it. So um, I think the exceptionalism partially comes from, especially in the case of America, is how they understand the concept of freedom. So in the philosophical literature, there's like a paper by Isaiah Berlin called Two Concepts of Liberty. I think that's what it's called. Somebody will correct me. Um, And he says there's two concepts of liberty. One is an answer to the question, how far can I act legitimately? Uh, legitimately, like what can I do before someone has the right to stop me doing a thing? The second uh, concept is um, who is the author of my actions? Um, Americans and pretty much any kind of like neoliberal country always go down the route of liberty as the first. The the operant um, mode of liberty they work with is the first one. So. You are free, provided that you want to do a thing and no one stops you doing that thing. Um, regardless of whether or not that thing is harmful to you, um, that's not the relevant the relevant question. The second concept of liberty aims to like address um, problems to do with like things like addiction. So if I want to get some lovely, delicious uh, heroin or chocolate cake in my case or whatever whatever people are addicted to, um, on the first model of freedom, I'm free if no one prevents me from getting that chocolate cake, cocaine, heroin, um, you know, books, whatever. Um, on the second model of liberty, um, if my addiction is the thing that's compelling me to act, I'm not free um, because, you know, like I'm being compelled to by like an unchosen force within me. 
if Americans are obsessed with the first concept that they're free provided no one is impeding them from doing a thing they want to do, then the government saying to them, don't leave your house because you'll die is an impediment to their liberty, even if it's in their own self-interest to do. Um, and I think that's where that mindset comes from. The fact that the government have told them to act in a certain way or technically to not act in a certain way. I think that's why they see this as an impediment to their liberty. And it's it's just absurd. The whole thing is just absurd. And these are the kind of these are the kind of things that we get if you have a neoliberal understanding of what it is to be free. That's a pretty pretty well put. Um Ashin or Vox Delta, do you want to jump in? Um so, sorry, what was the what was the question again? <laughs> Without going into the, the long <laughs> definition of it, basically, what is what chance does anyone who really wants to change things, even a centrist or liberal like Bernie Sanders, have in an America which is infected by a toxic idea of exceptionalism so yeah. much so that they think that it's okay to go around with machine guns saying that the lockdown should be ended because it's all a hoax, or if it's not a hoax, that no one has a right to tell me what to do. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, not much to be honest. If, if if I'm being if I'm being brutally honest, um, I don't think America has ever been about that. Um, but that concept of individual sort of individual rights and stuff. I know they talk a lot about individual rights, but I don't think uh, they really understand what what that rights also have responsibilities. Um, but. Uh, I think I think that is a symptom of, of sort of late capitalism is that people are actually it's like turkeys um, campaigning for Christmas, you know, um, they 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 really don't know what what it is that they're they're marching for, and um, again, it, it I think I think it goes back that it isn't militant enough. I know I know the the founding fathers talked about you know the right to bear arms and all that. The right to bear arms also comes with responsibilities. So, um, what what I what I would say is it's not militant enough. Um, so the problem with parliamentary politics in general is the majority of people are selfish idiots in the thrall of capital, and they'll never treat left wing politics as anything other than a quaint oddity. And left wing voters is not threatening their power. Like if you look at Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael going into coalition now, I think you can you can see that uh, there are elements of it in Ireland. And I've reached a stage where I wouldn't advocate violent struggle as you'd be taking on society at large, capital and your constituency as well um, have been raised um, to be ignorant um, that you're fighting on their behalf. But I, I really I really can't see any other any other way out. And, and this this sort of idea of American exceptionalism, I think um, I think, to be honest, they they do suffer from that a little bit, but they also suffer from. You know the, the Vietnam hangover, and you know, sort of being told that listen, you're you're really not not that great at all. You know, so do do I think do I think there's any space? I don't. I don't actually think there's any space in America currently for any revolutionary ideas, um, unless it's unless it's extreme libertarianism. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's. Um, and Vox Delta, again, with the limited amount you knows, which is what you keep saying, but do you think there is, I'm just joking, um, do you think there is a danger, because it's kind of feeding off that, is there a danger that such a easy, that such an enthralled population could go the way of a Serbia, 
the much, much larger Syria, basically of Weimar, of transforming easily, or not easily, slowly into an actual, you know, full-blooded fascist state, imperial, uh, all the nine yards. Uh, well, there's always the possibility. Let's let's be fair. Uh, now, the states, American general, is a, is a very toxic society. We know that. Uh, and that's actually my criticism to Sanders. Uh, he had great points in his agenda, but we all know that the critical mass to back him was not there, is not there. So I don't know how he believed that his agenda would come into fruition without nobody backing him, actually, without a critical mass backing him. Uh, it's it's a strange country because uh, has been involved in wars worldwide for many, many years. But correct me if I'm wrong, the only time that the people were against their government was back in Vietnam. So that's back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong in that? So it, it seems to me that it is a society that either doesn't care that the government uh, is involved in wars worldwide. So that brings me to what Will said yesterday. They probably have a very loose uh, definition on the term liberty. Uh, or uh, they just like these things. Uh, they just like that they are the messiahs and they try to save the world, whatever that means in their minds. Uh, I, I don't want to be very unfair to them saying that they just don't obey the rules and they like to go out and they don't respect what the state said about COVID situation and they just want their freedom because we've seen these things all over the world. I, I, I can name 10 countries that I've seen people, you know, uh, demanding going out and uh, all these restrictions to be lifted because they want their freedom. Okay, so it, it's not an American thing, uh, certainly. Uh, but it seems to me that there is unfortunately a big mass of people that uh, would accept the Weimar situation in the next few years if this thing doesn't change now. They have, it seems that they, they tick all the boxes and they just want someone to lead them. Is Trump that leader? Probably not, but probably the next one would be there. Uh, I, I hope not. I just hope not. But when an empire collapses, the ground is very fertile for such movements or, you know, for such leaders uh, to, to step up and say, OK, I'll save you. Let's see. No, I agree. I, my main worry is 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 not Trump. Um, it's the person who learns from Trump, the person who, much like um, almost every dictator, any fascist one in the past, had a very good relationship with the military, who is savvy who's not merely yeah. a crazed psychopath, but someone who knows how to manipulate people and get work done behind the scenes. Uh, you know, uh, basically a, a Mussolini, a, a, a kind of, a, um, even a Franco, I suppose. Um, Hitler, we just will avoid Hitler because he's just such an anachronism, uh, historically yeah. speaking. But there's many other examples. Uh, and in Greece, you know, plenty of um, military juntas there, you, uh, or indeed Erdogan right now. We don't even need to go into yeah. the past. We just go to Erdogan, we can go to Poland. Yeah, no, there's, there's a list a mile long, and we can easily point out how, and it's and it's, it's and it's baby steps, and you, and you could absolutely see it with the states, and and that is terrifying because you know it, it, for all the reasons I don't need to say, um, I suppose. With all that said, um, maybe the last thing we should talk about is 
Um, and again, say as much as you want uh, on the subject, where does the left uh, in the States, and maybe, you know, in the, in, if there isn't such a thing as an international left, go forward with, with the way the world is, um, you know, inc and include bits about the coronavirus, about how basically at the moment, given the pandemic, there's uh, something approaching a limited UBI for people who have been unemployed. There's about half a million people unemployed in Ireland now because of what happened. Um, I'm certainly enjoying my <laughs> my limited payments, though my bills are pretty small at the moment, so that's good. But you know, take that into account. But how does the left go forward in during the pandemic, after the pandemic, with you know a rising authoritarian, you know maybe approaching fascist right with a and will you know definitely talk about this will about a, a what's inevitable which is a depression i think it's inevitable given the way things are being handled and the austerity that's going to you know come with that uh, and how that's going to you know it's we're going into dangerous you know 1930s territory here and it's um how does the left go ahead it has to be obviously has to be aware that this is happening and it can't and like Oshin said, we can't pretend that you doing the same thing and expecting a different result is gonna work, you know? So what do we think we should do going forward? Whoever wants to go first. Um well I, I think I think the comparisons to the nineteen thirties are are useful, but also we're we're living in a much more dangerous time because we uh, like America has countless uh, nuclear weapons and um I, I think to be honest, uh, that that would be that would be a real a real disaster. Is if uh, China sort of encroaches on their supposed empire, and and then they get end up end up bombing them, you know. So I, I think there are there are certain risks with uh, with historicism as well. Um, with when it when it comes to sort of great powers. Mm. But what about the left going forward? What do you think we can do, realistically speaking, I, or maybe honest, what we should honestly, do? Honestly, um, I I think uh, grassroots movements, education, education is like educating people about the benefits of sort of a left wing view of uh, social equality, and and sort of t taking 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 uh, re redefining uh, what what it is to be left wing, aside from uh, social justice warriors, and you know. All of these kind of buzzwords that have been used in the last five years, you know, sort of make it make it about the bread and butter of, of what left wing left wing politics is, and not not just sort of taking a taking a selfie in front of a homeless person saying, "Oh, this is fucking <laughs> awful," you know. Mm. That's well said. Um, does anyone else? What about Will? What have you got to say? Yeah, I think like I'm really optimistic. I suppose. Um, I think something that we have, which is possible, well, it could be like, it, it could go either way, but like we know we're so connected now that organizing mass movements is fairly easy. Um, well, I say easy, but like, you know, it's like a lot less work than it used to be. Um, and we are now starting to see a lot of grassroots movements, both on the left and on the right. Um, Obviously, on the anime website, um, there was that uh, fantastic <laughs> interview with uh, just just signposting it right now. Um, there was that fantastic interview with the Beaudley COVID nineteen support group. Um, and man, like that's like it doesn't seem like a big political thing, but when you've got a state of scarcity, when everyone has been brutalized into a position where you've been told, you know, you're all in hostile competition with each other for resources, and by the way, these resources are finite. When you have a group of people that are saying no. 
and um, organizing their community to help the most vulnerable in that community get the goods they need, then that's a massive, um, massive cause for hope. And people, I think people are fundamentally decent, which is why I am an anarchist. Um, and given the tools and the material conditions in which they can organize these support groups, I think people will will fundamentally do that. Um, is that naive optimism? Probably. Um, but, like, you know, the alternative is despair. And, uh, you know, I've got to wake up tomorrow morning somehow. Um, first day back at school and all that jazz as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm optimistic. Well, what, be a bit more specific, if you don't mind me uh, chewing on your brain there. What about, because, again, that can all be true, but in the short term, and I do mean next two or three years, right, short term, um, there's going to be a tremendous assault on, I think anyway, in Europe and Britain in particular, on, you know, that would make the austerity that happened between 2009. Absolutely. Like, it looked like a, um, a Disney camp or whatever. I mean, with all that optimism, it's still going to be you know, pretty harsh. Can you kind of somewhat elaborate? Do you think what type of things are going to be done? And and we can you can still be optimistic and say that's going to help sure. people self-organize and, and come to those conclusions. But what do you think is likely to come along the road from you know from Europe and from individual states in Europe in regards to austerity? So like austerity is absolutely going to happen. Um, there's already there was an interview this morning with the the leader of the OECD. Um, talking about how we pay for this in the future. And um, already governments, especially the Conservative government in the UK, have started talking about and planning for austerity measures. They've not planned an exit strategy from, um, you know, the lockdown, but they have planned austerity measures already. Um, they use this as an excuse to shrink the state. There's not a good economic reason to implement austerity um, unless, you're all, unless your goal is to shrink the state and to shrink um, support networks that people have. That's the only reason you go for it. Um, the reason I think they might not get away with it this time is because they generated a load of money out of thin air um, three or four weeks ago, and people's memories are short. People's memories in the UK are bloody phenomenally short, um, but I don't think they're that short. Um, so any government trying to say, well, look, we've got to pay for this somehow, um, you know, I, I think people might just say, well, look, you were you able to drum up this money out of nowhere before after telling us for the past 10 years that you can't drum up money. Um, why why should we believe you? Um, I don't know. Again, this may be optimistic. Um, I keep on foolishly getting my hopes raised um, that the British public will one day snap out of it. And then every election <laughs> they vote for Tory and then they vote Brexit and then they vote Conservative again. Blair and then they voted Donald, vote on him, not Donald Trump, the other one, Boris Johnson. And I'm like, man, like you guys just hate yourself. Like the, what is the, what is the explanation for this? Um, but yeah, now there's going to be an economic depression. There's already a recession. That's not like a, a, a speculative move. That is just like what's now actually happened. Um, will this result in a, in a depression? Probably. Um, it depends how quickly they can come out of recession, which of course is dependent on how quickly they come out of lockdown, um, which is why they're all gunning for it at the moment. So we'll see what happens, but I don't think the austerity thing, um, I think they'll try it, but I don't think it'll fly. But again, this may just be my naivety about the benevolence of the British public and the, the public generally. Yeah. Um, Vox Delta, this is probably a good time to compare what happened to Greece after 2008-ish uh, to what might be coming down the road for other parts of Europe and how Europe reacted to 
Greece, <laughs> which you you know very well, and also how the Greek state and the police reacted. Um, could you see something very similar happening in other parts of Europe? Um, and if so, how does the left, um, not just in the rest of Europe, but you know elsewhere, deal with that? A, a kind of far more authoritarian, violent state, much like what Greece went through. Uh, well. Uh, I, I don't really think it could it could happen elsewhere in Europe. Uh, the reason is that in Greece there ha- have been many anarchist or left wing groups, uh, extra parliamentary groups uh, that uh, you know gave help to vulnerable people during the recession. I don't see that uh, uh, the type of movement anywhere else in Europe. Uh, I don't know why this happened only in Greece in modern times. Uh, I see it to an extent in the UK at the moment. So the UK might be a good example of how things will unfold in in the future. Uh, But I don't think that it will be the same as in Greece, no. So what happened in Greece was uh, a centrist government and then a right-wing, let's say, lead coalition government uh, was in power, so it was easy for extra left-wing parliamentary groups uh, do their thing uh, there at the time. And then Syriza took over power and uh, uh, did it wrong. Uh, so it seems that the left-wing option in government is well was not the best one uh, out there, how it turned out. Uh, now, elsewhere in Europe, in the next two or three years, as all of you guys said the recession will be here. The future doesn't seem bright. So what the left or anarchist groups can do? First of all, we have to help people. We have to go out and uh, educate people. As Ocean said, uh, that's the only way to believe in a future term plan, in a long-term future plan. Uh, only if people are educated and know what they're looking for. The problem with all these situations is that people always want to have easy lives, and I don't judge that. Mm. But it seems that you can give them a hand, but if they find an easier life in, let's say, the next years, they'll go for that. So they'll go to a political party or to whoever can give them a better life. Uh, Getting organized means try hard every day, put your life in front every day and it's not easy and i accept that i can't ask for people to to do that uh if you know what i mean that's why we need education that's why we need to show to people why anarchism or even uh, let's say far left wing uh way is a right one or is something that can help them in the long term Uh, of course it's not easy because how how can you convince someone that their lives will be easy when they know that they might have all these uh, repressions from uh, from police? It's it's not easy. How can you say to someone, okay, let's get organized in work when you know that they might be fired the next day? It's it, it's impossible. You see, it's very contradictory, uh, and they need to believe to the cause before they do anything. Uh, in the short term, in the short future. We just need to help people, as all the mutual aid groups do in the UK. That's something that we need to do because people will need help in the next few years. Uh, but in the long in the long term, it's only education that can help us. Hmm. Well, one thing I'd like to add before we start uh, wrapping up, which is that um, 
historically speaking, and I keep going back to history, but historically speaking, the anarchist movements of the past, the anarchist movement of the past, has had its most, um, I suppose, I don't want to use the word success because success is relative, isn't it? Um, but in terms of its most um, time on the, the stage uh, at moments of extreme crisis. So, in, for example, everyone knows the story of, of Spain. You have a Republican kind of called Republican, but basically a coalition of different groups coming together, electing somebody who wasn't, you know, a right wing Catholic zealot. And as we all know, Franco, with the aid of the Germans and the Italians, try and discover that. And we have the revolution in Catalonia. In Italy, sorry, in, in Ukraine, again, you have the chaos of the First World War, the initial revolution, uh, then the Bolshevik coup revolution, depending on your point of view. And this place and time when the Black Army and kind of uh, in Ukraine have a space where there was government has collapsed, much like it collapsed in Spain to make something of it. In Rojava, same thing, uh, state, the Assad state retreats uh, into that vacuum, um, kind of different groups form and different groups kind of create what exists there. Is My point of view is, is not that anarchism is should only be that. I think that it can be, you know, in the heart of the city, it can be mutual aid, it can be all those things. Is there anything to be said, though, given the history of anarchism and maybe the history of any movement that that needs to try and present itself as an alternative, that needs to be an actual uh, attempt, even if that's just, you know, a bunch of hippies buying land up in, um, if you're in Scotland, in the Pentlands or whatever, you know, or whatever. Is there, yeah, yeah, in Leitrim, yeah. It doesn't need to be an active attempt to display these things, do you think? If, you know, again, if the state is withdrawing from parts of uh, various countries in Europe, should anarchists take that upon themselves as anarchists and all the examples I've provided uh, did? Silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, so is the, what's the kind of model? That, like, as, do we like kind of build a parallel society in which we show how our principles work? Um, in which case we're still going to be working in relation to capitalism um, rather than independently of it, I suppose. Or do we just like work to undermine the structure of, you know, hierarchy and hope it all collapses and then we have something ready to replace it when that happens? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, sorry, can't be more helpful. <laughs> No, that's fine. I mean, the, 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 the probably the correct response is all those examples, maybe bar Rajava, which, well, maybe actually Rajava too, has it was either crushed or was reabsorbed within uh, an existing state structure. So, again, there's no, I, it's not like it's a magical answer. I, I didn't mean it to be put it that way. Oh, no, no, I totally but, agree with you about it. Yeah. You know, but I, I just wonder whether there will, because it is one of those things, when, at what point do you say, okay, um, I need to go beyond, and again, I'm, I'm not saying this in the short term. I don't think it's a good idea to head up into Limerick in the short term. Uh, <laughs> one, for lots of reasons, you know, Limerick has lots of problems. Um, but do we think that there are, uh, there needs to, we need to start thinking bigger, maybe, is what I'm trying to say, than in, in the medium term, you know, because um, simply, you know, doing mutual aid is, is good, and, 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 and I think... Um, Vox Delta's right that we need to protect people and for what's about to happen. But, you know, history is replete with examples of what failed and what worked. Um, and um, 
maybe one of the biggest things was not not um, thinking big enough, you know, and and compromising on on where, you know where she would be organizing. Um, anyway, that's my view. Um, does anyone want to jump in on that? Otherwise, I can shut up. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that anarchists always think big, don't they? But uh, the thing here is that we should act big as well. Uh, we need, as Will said, to set up our initiatives, working without hierarchy, without bosses, and show the example that yes, this is effective, this is uh, this is possible, and we can live in a different world. It, it's not easy because it has to be done in each separate country, fortunately or unfortunately. Uh, we can't compare, you know, uh, Italy to the UK or to Sweden or to the States. Uh, different cultures, different systems, everything is different. But I, I believe that, uh, you know, groups in every single country uh, know each system and they know how to operate there. Uh, so the only thing that has to be done is to, uh, let's say, operate anarchism or socialism, at least, mm. in their everyday life. We live in a capitalism. Capitalist society or capitalist societies in general, but there is space to perform something different. So at least show what you want to happen to your children or your grandchildren. That's the lesson that everyone has to take. That it's not for us; it's for the future. We don't expect something to change for us now. It's it's impossible. But let's start doing things now, as we do, you know, for for always, in order to see something positive in the next two generations. It's 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 not for us. It's for the world. I think that's a really great point. Um, like I think the thing that anarchists have done in the past is only spoken with to other anarchists, um, and we're already like you know we're already on board with the project. And I think the thing that mutual aid does and the kind of projects that um, Vox Delta is talking about, I think the thing that's great about these projects is they they start to bring other people on board. Um, and like once we've got like that critical mass of people, then we can start to like you know act bigger as well as thinking bigger. Yeah, I I agree. I agree completely with Dimitri's point. Um, I think uh, we've been f far too conciliatory to sort of middle class identity and stuff, and not wanting to tread on any toes uh, in that regard. I think I think now we need to sort of strike while the iron's hot provide education for for less less fortunate people and um really really get them involved in the process and stuff because that's that's the only way i can see change really happening is if it's from the bottom up wise words from all um i suppose on that point unless uh, anyone has uh, any last words uh we can wrap it up but does anyone have any last words even salty words man last words sounds like a vague threat <laughs> no, it doesn't. Like Does anyone have any train. last words? <laughs> the snipers are trained. I suppose that's a no then, is it? Okay. I, I, think, I think we've said I think we've said everything we needed to say. Um now is the time for action, man. Yeah, said like a man who wants to go back to bed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On that note, uh say goodbye guys. Bye guys. Take care. Bye bye. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, we're going to leave you with a little song, maybe more of an upbeat song, about the American labour movement and the hopes, I suppose, of the American left with a, a song I have in my collection. It's by Hazel Dickens. Um, it's called uh, They Will Never Keep Us Down.
which is a bit more optimistic than we left you off with. So hopefully you enjoy that. And uh, we'll see you in a week or so. Bye-bye. They're here.